wanted to do a part two. I've been thinking about oh, a lot. I've been thinking about a lot. Um, well, welcome back to the show. It's Evelyn, your host. And um, if things sound a little bit odd, it's because I'm doing my hair. <laughs> um, I have a pretty busy month. And so I've been trying to figure out creative ways to... Um, get some more thoughts of mine out onto the podcast because I've, I've just been feeling more led to share. And so this is the way we can do that. So if you hear small noises of clicks, it's because you're hearing me do my hair right now. So welcome. Not every week is like this, but I hope that you'll have patience with it. Um, something that I was thinking about is... So I did a part one and I wanted to do a part two of the scary Mondays. And if you listen, if you listened to part one, um, I really talked about some things that I'm walking through as far as, um, some grief that's come up around the loss of a job. Um, one of my clients that I um, contract for, I coach in their communities. I've worked with them for a while, um, came to me and said that they needed to let me go for right now. They're in a big season of transition. And to be honest, like I, I felt like it was coming and internally my intuition was kind of already sensing that there's a shift coming for me. Um, but that didn't mean (laughs) that there wasn't emotional release and there wasn't and hasn't been questions about how is this going to look? How is this going to pan out going forward? Um, And there's been a lot of internal dialogue going on back and forth. And before I talk any more about that, I was thinking about how if you are new to mindset work, Um, how I just wanted to give you just a little bit of an overview of what my work actually looks like and entails and why it's important. Um, so essentially in our minds and our brains, about 10%, we operate on about 10% of a conscious level. Everything else is subconscious. So 90% is built up in our subconscious around how we think about things, about how we process the world, and why this is important. So how do we bring the subconscious into the conscious? Glad you asked. Something that you need to know first too is that from the time that we're born until the time that we're seven, we basically act as small sponges in the world. We can't, we're all just consciousness. There is no gate between things that are told or expressed to us. We are taught how the world works, how money works, how relationships works by whoever is in our life taking care of us. And that sets the patterns and the tone for our expectations into our adulthood of how the world works. Um, So if you're always operating from this unconscious place, which a lot of the world is, although I do think and sense that we're having a collective conscious shift 
um, in our collective conscious, um, which can be <laughs> painful. It can be um, a lot of identity pieces come forward because we attach so much of who we are to our beliefs um, instead of knowing who we are and then building our beliefs. And so with, with unconscious becoming conscious, there is a lot of work that still exists between the two um, and letting things pass that you don't want to carry forward um, and embodying new truths about maybe who you always were, but you felt wrong or um, judged for being or feeling, or there could just be a whole slew of things that come up in that process. So making the unconscious conscious um, is just one of the first steps in mindset work. And there's a lot of things that happen too, like some simple ways that you can start doing that is even paying attention to how you speak to yourself. So on a daily basis, <laughs> your mind is constantly going. It's constantly giving you feedback on what you're experiencing. You are the narrator and the author and narrator, author, <laughs> meaning maker of your life. So in your mind, you're constantly telling yourself why things are happening to you this way, why you're having this experience, what this means, how it means. Um, and a lot of times too, um, we tend to gravitate towards the negative. Um, unless that you have been taught how to um, elevate your consciousness and or you just have also been in an environment where optimism and joy and those kinds of things have been at the forefront. You've been taught better coping skills. Um, well, I wouldn't say better, just coping skills in general um, around how we experience life um, and what we expect from life by our constant caregivers and our influences in our life. That could even be our peer group. Um, a lot of times too, if we didn't have caregivers who were great at um, supporting us, we may, have we may have leaned on a community of some type, whether that be religious, whether that be, again, an identity piece of some kind, something we kind of grasped on because we wanted to belong. And again, that comes from a really, like, primal place for us. Um, we have evolved over time, and we were hunters and gatherers for a very long time. And one of our biggest pieces um, to survive was to survive in packs. And so the fear of rejection, the fear of um, what, not wanting to be different or cast out from the group still runs so deep for us. Um, it can feel, again, like a death if we are wanting to change some of these beliefs that we may have grown up with. Um, we think, my family will never understand this. They'll never get it. Um, this experience that I'm having is, is just mine. <laughs> and um, there's this quote I wish that I had hands again doing here and here. I wish I had hands to look it up because I am not going to say it as eloquently as it, as it is written. But the quote said something like, I thought my home alone, my house alone was on fire. But then I climbed to the roof 
and found that the whole village was burning. And I equate a lot of these growing pains and the shifts that happen when we're having this awakening, um, this conscious awakening where we're challenging some of the things that we've been taught and unpacking our beliefs um, and how we talk to ourselves and shifting some of those things um, in, in the same way. We begin to think, well, <laughs> I'm this crazy person having this crazy experience that's unique to me. But in reality, when we start unpacking it, when we start talking about it, when we start bringing other people into the mix of the honesty of those raw places, we find, and I have found still, I, <laughs> I find myself still going, wow, like, we need to talk about this more. We need to normalize this more. We need to normalize grief more. We need to normalize the process of suffering and um, just some of the things that come up when we shift our identity, when we start to, um, there's something too called shadow work, where we start to really identify some of the ways that we may not have been showing up in our life um, or things that we have cast off about ourselves that we don't want to be true. So we hide from them. We try to pretend that they don't exist. And in that separation, we can never be fully known. We can never be fully whole or held um, because we ourselves have rejected those parts of us. And I do believe, I do believe that um, there are two very, very primary needs that we have as human beings, and that is to be known and to be loved. And so if there are parts of ourselves that we're rejecting, there's parts that we feel like are unlovable or not worthy to be known because we just wish they weren't part of us, um, then we can't be fully expressed, we can't be fully loved or accepted because we're constantly pushing those parts of ourselves away. So let me see if I can give you an example of my personal life. Um, okay, so if you've been a listener for a while, um, you may know that back in about third, fourth grade, I started uh, growing. <laughs> I grew a lot faster than the other kids. Um, not only taller, but wider. <laughs> I started putting on weight, and by the time I was hmm, in middle school, I had started wearing, I think, plus size clothing. I can't remember a time before wearing like a size 14. That is the, like, that is the uh, sizing that I remember. And something that was consciously, well, I don't remember so many times when it was expressed to me verbatim, but I always got the internal messaging from culture, from my family closest to me. Um and even extended family, that um, I was less worthy of love, worthy of acceptance of love, 
until I was a specific size. And that was actually reiterated to me, um, like in one instance with a family member, this actually happened later, but in college I had had, um, a guy I had been seeing good friends with and it just kind of all fell apart. And this family member of mine, very close to me, said, Evelyn, you're beautiful, but if you just lost a few pounds, you'd be irresistible. And that family member did apologize later um, for how harmful that was. But the messaging I always got was, you're not as lovable or worthy of love because of your size. And I remember having a visceral reaction, like when people are like, well, I'm fat. And I'm like, ooh, you can't be fat because if you're fat, you can't be loved, right? So that's just an example of some internal conditioning and patterning that we might have. Like if I am this, then I don't deserve being loved. Um, I'm trying to think too, there was something else that came up in my mind. Oh, I've always had lots of energy, lots and lots of energy. And another, um, in internal condition I had is like, I don't, you know, I already ask for a lot, but I was afraid, um, like with my just energy in itself, I was afraid of being too much. And I had uh, a long-term relationship with a guy uh, after college who uh, early on in our relationship said, you're just too much. And I was crushed because he said to me the words that I'm like, no, I can't be that because then I can't be loved. But what was interesting is once I tried those words on, right, you're too much. I'm like, well, maybe I am too much right? Maybe, maybe my energy is too big for you right now. And what was neat for me in that moment was to recognize that I could survive it. Like, so we have these ideas, right? That are tethered to these internal beliefs. And those are just a couple of mine that have come up. So I was trying to give you a few examples, but those are just a couple of mine that have come up in life. When, when somebody says something about you that you're like, Dear God, please let me hide in this corner so nobody sees this thing that I really don't want to believe. Because if it's true, then this is what that means. And we make up the meaning. And of course, like, I never look at somebody else and go, well, you're heavier, so you're not worthy of love. But that was still something in my own conditioning that I'm still working to let go of. Um, And... And really, really extend uh, that to myself, that full uh, full idea of being able to be embodied and be loved regardless of anything. And I think that that's just the truth. Like we, we came into this world with a blueprint on our souls for who we are, what we're here to do. At least that's what I believe. And so all the parts and pieces of myself, I get to choose, like, do I want to carry this forward or do I not? Um, Is this really me or is this a pattern that I've learned how to survive my world, how to survive how I thought I needed to be loved or to be liked or whatever that looks like? 
And for me too, I stayed in a relationship for six years, really dabbling for a seventh, really, if I'm really honest, because I really couldn't accept that in a relationship, I should be loved and supported too. I felt like it was my job to be the supporter, to love that person into their potential. And like, I'm good. I needed to save them. I didn't know that that's what I was doing, but it's exactly what I was doing. I needed a project and I had no idea that that is what I thought love needed to look like for me. That's, that's the level at which like I could survive and my soul would thrive. And it's hard to admit some of these things sometimes. It's embarrassing, but it's also part of growth. So I bring all of this up here because I want to continue to expand on this conversation of how powerful you are each and every day in your life around the story that you're telling yourself around who you are, why things are happening to you, against you, for you, however you frame it, and help you understand really and truly that you get to decide who you are in the story. You really do. We are not a victim to our circumstances. And we get to choose each and every day how we're going to show up in them. And if we really hate them, we really don't like them, we have the agency and the freedom to change them when we're ready, right? Sometimes we're not ready for the responsibility and we want to stay stuck in the exact pattern that we're in because we're just not ready to heal or to deal with it. And sometimes we are locked into depression too, right? Where this, this idea, this thing that we've clung to, this belief about how the world works in our suffering um, is easier than changing. Or sometimes we feel locked in that and we can't get out. And so that's why it's so important to have community around you to to ask for help even. I am um, working on this for myself. Asking for help, asking for support. Um, it doesn't come naturally to me either. It's something I'm working on. So what does this all have to do <laughs> with what I was sharing last week? Well, let's say that me losing a job um, Every morning, my first thought is, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I get wrapped in this energy, this um, scared, overwhelmed energy. And I've still gone there a couple times. So, like, I, I, I want to reiterate <laughs> over and over again that no matter how long you practice um, this awareness, this this bringing consciousness to um, your mind and your thoughts, there's so more work to be done. I don't know that we ever arrive on this plane, right? I think I think that part of the reason that we're here um, in the first place is to learn and grow and, and really, really learn some things that we need as part of our own soul's evolution. Um, and it's a whole other podcast. But that's that's just how I've been feeling is that this life um, and this experience is meant to be experienced. It's meant to be um, on the edges of growth that push us, challenge us, and really work us like almost like dough that you're preparing to bake, right? You got to work out all the air bubbles and you've got to really get it into a, a space where it's ready. 
to be baked. And so I have a choice right now in this season where I can, um, I can absolutely sit in this space of woe is me, um, what am I going to do? Or um, I I can change that narrative. I get to pick the narrative. I get to pick how I'm waking up each and every day. And actually this morning, Sergio even asked me, he was like, is something on your mind? Like as soon as I woke up and I'm like, yeah, just feeling overwhelmed. And I was like, whoa, that's my first thought of the day. Like, how about gratitude? How about gratitude for what has already existed, for what will exist? Because I've always been supported. I have always been supported by love and compassion and and friendship and community in the right ways. Um, Even if it hasn't shown up in the ways that I thought that it would. And if I really, truly believe that we are supported, that this life is meant to be an experience um, that expands us and is for us, then why am I waking up in that attitude? Um, And it's usually because things aren't happening at the pace that I believe they should. Um, I listened to an incredible podcast maybe two weeks ago about why we're so impatient, right? Um, and, And she's a coach and she was talking about how If we really believe the things that we say that we do, if we believe that we're meant for something more, that we're here to do something more, that we're here to be or accomplish or whatever that looks like, yet we sit and we're like, why is this not happening? Why why are we not where we should be? Then we don't really believe those things. That impatience is more a sign of our fear that maybe something that we want is not going to come into fruition. And when she said that, I was like, whoa, that's challenging. It's challenging. So all this to say, you're the meaning maker of your own life. You have so much, so much. Even I've been studying neuroscience for a couple years ago. I started getting into neuroscience as well as um, some more of the... uh, basis of how how we've evolved in 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 our social senses and being human and um one of the things that they used to believe as late as the 1990s was that the brain was this fixed entity that how you entered the world and how you are is who you are and now your personality actually is fixed hold on just a second i'm getting off into a different tangent first of all so They thought that like, let's say you had brain damage, that if your brain was damaged, like you're done, like it is fixed, it is set, there's no repairing it. What they started to find out is actually, no, that's not true. You can repair your brain. Not only can you repair your brain, but with intention and focused energy, you can actually repair and improve your brain beyond what it was before you had an incident. And so, and that's something called neuroplasticity. And as I've studied too more in coaching, um, quantum physics and different things, everything is energy and intention. I was showing Sergio this video the other day on TikTok. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, where they do like the plant experiment. They've done it in schools a lot where they have a plant. um, They have two different plants. One that the kids are supposed to like walk past and like 
say hateful things to and one that they're supposed to like say edifying, encouraging things to. And within several days, even um, the one that's where people are saying hateful things, it does worse. Um, And the one that's being encouraged flourishes. And there's a TikTok video where they took some rice and did the same thing, except they didn't even say words. They just had their intentions, just their thoughts. They would look at the jar of rice and think horrible things, or they would look at the jar of the rice and think of extreme potential or just potential. And the one that they like looked at and, and spewed all of these horrible things and tensions towards, no words were said, no words were uttered, just intentions. The rice emulsified and rotted. It was so gross looking. And the, the other rice looked fine and healthy. And so I say all these things for you to understand that you are a powerful being. You have power in your intention, not just with other people, but with yourself. And so if you are living in a reality in a, in a constant state that you do not enjoy being in, then it's time to do something else. There's that quote, right? That is the definition of insanity is to continue to do something um, and never change anything, right? That is insane. If we want a change, there's going to require some different kinds of actions. And so one of the most powerful pieces of advice that I was ever given, and and this is popular in the coaching industry, is to look at who is the person that I want to become? Really thinking about who is the woman that I want to become in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, What does she look like? How does she live? Where does she live? What does she do? And then with that knowledge, I begin to make decisions from a place that that woman would make them. Who do I need to become today so that I can become the woman that I want to be in the future? Who do I need to be today to become the woman that I want to be in the future. That's something worth sitting with and something worth entertaining. Who do you need to become? And also, I want to add a caveat here. Who do you need to unbecome? What do you need to unhook from in everyday life that is not serving you or the world in which you want to live? You have so much power. It's time to learn how to wield that power. And again, some resources for you. David Nagel, the Successful Mind podcast is amazing. Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory. Um, I love Smart People podcast. All of these are interviewing and really looking at some of the dynamics of humanity, leadership, um, growth. Anything that sticks out to you that you want to learn about, that you want to enhance. Um, But really and truly... If there is a fixed area or pattern you're sensing in yourself, get some support, right? Get some support. Seek out a coach, a mentor, a therapist, um, a friend. Maybe there's a safe space you need to crawl into with your friends and just be honest and let some of these things off your chest. Because remember, it's not your house that burns alone. The whole village is on fire. And what would it look like if we each shared 
honestly about where we are, what we face, and what we're going through. Not only can we be seen and loved and known in the fullest capacity, but also then people around you can go, hey, I've got something that will help you with that. For example, today I was talking, I was doing a podcast interview that's going to be airing soon with a friend and I was talking about some of the things that I've gone through this month with some of the mindset stuff and, and, and being let go from that job. And she was like, hey, my job's hiring. And she sent me a long list of openings that they have. <clears throat> and and, and therein, therein lies the power of community right? Maybe there's nothing that's a fit on there, but maybe there's something there that I get to explore and maybe that will open another door. Who knows? The final thing I want to really just put forward to is to remember that if I sit around in the energy all day of worry, overwhelm, and fear, and I crumple into a ball and I stay right where I am, and some seasons that's all we can do, and I have so much compassion for that. But when you're ready, when you're ready to really, really step out and start some new things and really allow yourself to find some healing, recognize too that your thoughts create your reality. So even if you're having a bad day or even right where you are, smile. Just smile right where you are. It changes your physiology. You are giving yourself almost a boost of serotonin. Uh, I think it's serotonin. One of the one of the great <clears throat> might be dopamine. I don't even know. One of the great hormones. When you smile, it sends a signal in your body that you are happy. So sometimes it is going to be fake it till you make it in some of these seasons. You do have to course correct and you have to say, hey, we're not going here anymore. We're not going to camp out in this disempowering place. This isn't for me anymore. That is part of it. And then get the support you need. Lean into your friends, your community. If you don't have a community, it's time to build one, right? It's time to find people who you love doing life with. And I'm working on that for myself too. Cultivating a life that I don't want to escape from, but that I thrive in. Full, embodied, expressed Mm. You are so loved. So good to have you with me. Thanks for being here. Until next time. Hey, thanks so much for being part of this community and for being here with me. It means the world. It really does. Um, If there's somebody else that needs to be in this conversation, please share this with them. Um, I would love to continue growing this community. And also, if you have just a quick two or three minutes, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing a review um, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You know, a lot of times we're making decisions about where to invest our time and our money and our resources, and we check out reviews uh, to make decisions on where we're going to invest our life. So if this has been something to your life, um, which I'm so glad that it does, I would love for you to leave a review and share this podcast with your community so that we can continue to grow um, in knowledge and love with one another. So until next time.